Good morning, everyone. Whether you're here in person or online, my name is Paul Hayes. And I, I just sense that the manifest presence of God is so strong here this morning. I'm part of the pastoral care team here at the Door of Hope and love it. I'm married to a gorgeous wife, Kathy. Three beautiful adult children, two grandchildren and a third on the way. And I made a commitment to the Lord in 1991. And I realised I was just adding up, that's 10,000 days. <laughs> and we're coming to an end of this series that we're on called Everyday Faith. There's one more message this evening. And I've really enjoyed just listening to how God works in people's lives on that everyday basis. You know, in, in terms of relationships and sowing and serving into the least, the last and the lost. That acknowledging God is central to him leading us in our Christian walk. That we can put big decisions like leaving a country to go to another one or small decisions before God. That there are seasons in our life, there, there are ups and downs. That nothing is wasted, that there is a message in everything. We can use everyday activities to be a witness for God. And Romans 12.1 is the key verse that we've looked at over these, these weeks. And hopefully that's on the screen now. It is. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Verse 2 is not there, but it goes on to talk about transforming our minds to test and approve what his good, pleasing and perfect will is for us. And that transformation and change implies growth, persistent personal growth in becoming more Christ-like. Those who know me reasonably well will know that I enjoy gardening. And Royce got the gardening message memo. He's wearing the gardening shirt today. A couple of others are too. And there are a number of reasons for that love of gardening. Provision for family and others. And I know during COVID, during that lockdown, we put quite a, a lot of resources into developing our veggie patch and fruit trees and the like. And we're able to bless others within the neighbourhood and family and friends within our connect group as well. And Kathy would bring in, Kathy loves sweet peas, so she would bring in sweet peas to people in church. There's a physical aspect to it as well. It's good for your health, maintaining and developing a garden. And eating from the garden too, you know what you're putting on it, whether you've got pesticides or not. Um, and there's a saying that I love, is that you don't stop gardening when you get old, you get old when you stop gardening. <laughs> the beauty of God's creation there's something really fulfilling in being able to create something that is pleasing to the eye. But most importantly for me, it's that spiritual dimension. I can be in the garden conversing with God. And during daylight saving in particular, Kathy will often call me in in almost darkness. Come in, you've got to have your dinner. You know, and I'll be out there in the garden. I can spend all day in the garden. And my everyday faith message is God's revelations about lessons from the garden. And whilst that word 
ordinary, um, the word, sorry, the word everyday can have uh, connotations of ordinary. I prefer to think of it as every day, not just every day. So, and, and last week, as Adam shared, actually every moment, it's not just every day. And I like to see it in terms of the extraordinary as well, that God who created all would desire a relationship with me, that he would want to converse with me every moment of the day. And similar to others who shared their message, I'd love to say that it is every moment and every day for me, but it's not. Now, there are seasons and times for me, and there are times where I'll journal a lot and there are times where I won't. Read the Bible and I won't. But my heart's desire is to more and more. That graph that Ruth showed us, it's not a straight line graph. There's ups and downs. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, is where God shapes the Bible story. And he creates the necessities of life for us from Genesis 1, 3 to 15. In verse 11, he particularly talks about vegetation. And I think that's on the screen too, or it should be. Maybe it's not. That's okay. Then God said, let the land... That's the next slide. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that will bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. After creating that vegetation, he created man and declared that that vegetation was pleasing to the eye and good for food. And it's a common understanding that anything that, that happens first in the Bible has some sort of special significance. And the first command that God gave really related to gardening and our obedience. And if we look at Genesis 2, 15 to 17, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Bible story then proceeds with man's disobedience, listening to Satan and the fall, and leading to painful toil outside the garden, impacted by thorns and thistles, you know, those difficulties of life that we all struggle with. And for me, God uses the garden to reveal life lessons. Gardening is a really simple act. Anyone can undertake it. You don't need a PhD or anything like that. And there might be a little overhead. No, there was a picture, but it's, maybe it's not going to be there. <laughs> That's all right. Um, it is. I'm sure all parents will recognise that little thing. And young children in the service with us today, it's a blessing to have you here. You'll recognise that as well. Woolworths give little kids something that they can just add water to, instant garden, whether it's a flower or a vegetable. My, my grandchildren love gardening. My granddaughter, she's now 11, when she was three, she could recite all the plants in the garden. And, you know, when you've been in a shopping centre, you, you're approaching the, the end, exit and sometimes you'll see little kids have a tantrum, I want a chocolate, I want a chocolate... <laughs> Well, I was in Bunnings one day with, with Malika. We were about to leave. She said, Papa, I want a shovel. I want a shovel. She didn't want the lollies. She wanted a shovel. <laughs> so funny. 
Likewise, having a faith can be a simple act. Sure, there's the ups and downs in it. But God, in his grace, enables us to make a choice to believe and follow him. How amazing. So I've got two main points to today's message. And like a lot of teachers, I've got some sub-points under one of them as well. So the first is to acknowledge the author of that growth, the creator of that growth. Without that acknowledgement, faith doesn't exist. It's meaningless. And Genesis 1.11 clearly states that God is the author. But I want to look at a passage today, and it's written by the Apostle Paul to the early church in Corinth that addresses this topic. And it's 1 Corinthians 3, verses 3 to 9. And Paul writes, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. And I loved your testimony, Marianne, with Doris being your co-worker there. That's, yeah. And in this passage, Paul is really exhorting the early church in Corinth, struggling with pride to ensure God gets the glory he deserves. And if we are obedient to God's promptings, we will be rewarded by him with well done, good and faithful servant, and not dependent on accolades from others. How does this work in my life? Well, I don't get it right all the time. And I thought I'd share one of, you know, one of the occasions that I don't. And it's in settings, you know, like a meeting, and it might be a, an annual meeting where... It might be a work-related thing or a church-related thing and the, the ministry activity for the year is being talked about and, you know, Joe Blow gets talked about and, and my name's not mentioned. That green-eyed envy monster jumps on board and you've got to bang it down and repent and accept God's forgiveness. So that's how the Holy Spirit works in me. You know, that's that song, What About Me? <laughs> not all about me. So that's the first point, acknowledge God as the author of growth. Second is acknowledge that our primary purpose is to please the Father. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, that everyday faith, it's impossible to please God. So how do we do that? The first is abiding in him. And I just love that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. John 15:5 says that I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will be, bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And God uses that analogy of a grapevine where he is the stem, the trunk, and we are the branches and we produce the fruit that he wants produced and displayed to the world. 
and the branch separated from that trunk is going to die. And the presence of fruit, good or bad, is a reflection of whether we are Christians or not. Seeking to honour that relationship I have with my Creator is part of that time spending with Him in the garden. And for me, prayer brings that closeness of abiding to, to life. And uh, you know, one of the challenges from day is, today is, are you receptive to developing that kind of relationship? It certainly doesn't need to be in the garden. And Jesus is our example of that. He often withdrew to lonely places to connect with his Father. And he was energised after it. And as Jesus was to the early disciples who had his presence here on earth, so the Holy Spirit is to us. And God is extraordinarily creative um, in the ways that he can communicate with us through the Holy Spirit. We've got his word, his written word, his logos. We've got his rhema word, that personal word that he gives to each of us, whether that's audible or not. There's visions, images... You know, and Bible apps. And found out how to get apps the other day, even. Christian books, dreams, might be prophetic words from others, might be words of encouragement, experiences that we go through, music. Beck shared about music before. He's creative. And for me, not honouring that relationship can take various forms. It can be things like apathy, it can be presumptuousness. I'll do what's right, you know, what seems right in my own eyes without reference to God. Or it could be really selective attention. You know, if you think God is a hard taskmaster, maybe that's the only time that you think he wants to communicate with you. Not true. And just an example from my own everyday faith life is when I was an early Christian, And Kathy and I had only been Christians about four years. And Kathy's brother committed suicide. And I was a fairly youngish psychologist at that time as well. And our everyday faith was really tested. And did I pass back then? No. I, I went in my own thinking, why didn't I do something about it? Why couldn't I stop him doing that? What sort of psychologist are you? without going to God first. Had I gone to God first, I wouldn't have gone through all that condemnation and feeling guilt. Should have gone straight to the, the Creator. The second way of pleasing the Father is being planted. I love being planted in this church. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. There's no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. No planting, no life. Allowing for our roots to grow deep allows us to be better connected to God and not run off into vain imaginations. And it gives a solid foundation without which there is danger. When I was driving around the streets of Launceston 
and I saw this uh, this house. Hopefully that picture comes up. It is, yeah. Two-storey house. Might be a little bit hard to see. But there's a ladder leading up to the peak on the second storey and it's perched in the gutter of the first storey. And I thought, wow, what, how oblivious to danger are we as humans? You know, perching a ladder in the gutter to get to the top of a really big house. We can be oblivious to the danger. Our door of hope vision statement relates to being planted, really. Jesus-centred, others-focused, together in community. And there's a picture from my garden, hopefully, of corn. That's the corn there. And I just love how corn, it's planted really close together. The roots interweave. And the ones in the centre generally grow the tallest. It's not the outside ones, it's the ones in the centre. But but to me, it just talks of being planted together and strong roots. The foundations allow us to bear good fruit, to bloom where planted. And maintaining a garden requires monitoring of the fruit, the blooms, developing an intimate knowledge of what's growing and what attention might be needed, being a fruit inspector. And Cathy and I will often go out and water a section of garden, not together maybe, but separately, and come in and say, oh, did you notice that foxglove has flowered better this year or the roses need pruning or there's some weeds around this plant here? It's amazing the discoveries you can make. And for me, being content and pleasing God is being planted where and how he wants. You're not pulled away by glossy temptations, better worship, I like Joe blogs, better preaching, better facilities. Comparisons aren't part of your life. There's none of that FOMO, fear of missing out. No grass is greener on the other side. No pride, no envy. You don't need to be the biggest piece of fruit or the brightest bloom. And God gave me a, a vision. It's, it was from the National Rose Garden. I don't know whether you've been there. It's at Longford, but it's beautiful. There's thousands of roses. And I know probably there's a lot of people in this auditorium that, that love lilies. They are, they're beautiful flowers. We went to Villarette Gardens a couple of weeks ago and they had some lilies that were about eight feet tall at least and I just thought if, if there was a lilium in the middle of those roses it would be as a weed it's a beautiful flower but it's not wanted there it's, it's a weed the last point in pleasing God is being a co-worker with God and I love serving with and for God and that verse in 1 Corinthians 3 9 for we are co-workers in God's service. And for me, being a Christian is not a spectator sport, but equally it's not needing to be front and centre of everything. There are many small links in the growth cycle that are highly significant. And what matters most is serving out of love with the gifts with which God's graced you. Zechariah 4.10 says, Who dares despise the day of small things? There's a, a saying that I like, that variety is the spice of life, but is the mundane that pays the bills. <laughs> Got to do both. So in preparing for this message, I also asked God for a word that makes us better co-workers, and that word was vigilant. 
being watchful, almost unceasingly watchful. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And in what ways do we need to do that within that gardening analogy? Sowing seed. And one of the principles that God established was that with the fruit or the flowers, um, that one seed can only produce one tree. But from that one tree, thousands can then grow. And God's stock of seeds endless. And when planted into the right soil, can provide abundant returns. Be a seed sower. As I was approaching retirement, I said that I wanted to volunteer a day at the church, which I do. But I was listening to a testimony from the Global Leadership Summit. It was from somebody who was approaching retirement. And he, he thought he was going to glide into retirement. I might have shared this before, but to me it's pertinent. And God used him. You know, he was open to God using him. And the same for me. I said, I want to be used, Lord. And God opened it up a two-day of work a week job working for the William Wilberforce Foundation, ministering to ex-offenders and people with drug issues. And it's a passion for me and I love it. The second area of vigilance is weeds. And a weed is just any plant that's growing where it's not wanted. And we need to attend to them early. They compete with the plant, they reduce its vigour and the quality of fruit. They often grow where it's difficult to detect and I've got a picture of, from my garden, hopefully. It might be a bit hard to see there, but there's a pink rose in the foreground. And I noticed right in the middle, there's a scotch thistle growing straight up through. You know, it knew where to grow, where I wouldn't find it and I wouldn't want to stick my hand in to get rid of it. And they often mimic too. There's plants that have similar leaves, you know, deadly nightshade and potatoes. They tend to, to grow together. So the message for me is beware of deception. The devil's cunning. Rely on God's truth and keep short accounts. And we all fall short of God's glory. He doesn't expect us to be sinless. Wow. But to sin less. <laughs> and pruning is another area. Being willing for God to shape us, to be teachable. John 15.2 talks about him cutting off Every branch in me that bears no fruit and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That'll be more fruitful. And there's another picture from my garden. I took a few today. That's a grapevine. So you can see the lush green leaves on the right there and there's a lot of grapes growing in there. But in on the left side there, there's a, a vine. It's, that's the same grapevine. But my neighbour's got a spare block there and they bring in horses every so often. The horses pruned my grapevine quite drastically. <laughs> Thank God he doesn't prune us that way. <laughs> when we're in it, we've been worshipping a door of hope here for 10 years. The previous church that we're in, I was on the eldership, I was part of worship, I was leading men's ministry, I was part of small groups and God said, stop, I'm pruning you. And we, we stopped and we listened to him but it was gentle it wasn't bang you know get out of there the other area of vigilance diseases and pests and any plants that aren't monitored are open to attack it's the same with our lives and there's a spiritual battle at play and it's that battleground of the mind 
And we can easily become complacent about um, habits, positive and negative habits, and give the devil a foothold. God is with us and for us and through us, but we have a role to appropriate God's armour. He doesn't force us to wear it. And it talks about standing with Christ as well. And I just love that worship song about resting in Christ, that standing can be resting too. Not running ahead of Christ or lagging behind. And I I notice in my garden how quickly a bug can impact a citrus tree or a black spot can attack roses. What other areas? Elements might be missing in the soil. Could be soil quality or lacking water. And unless we enrich our lives, fertilise our lives with Bible reading, quality time in positive relationships and being connected to the Holy Spirit and obeying his direction for our lives, our lives are going to be stunted. And Matthew 13, that parable of the sower, talks into that, that seed planted in good soil. Other seed planted in rocky and weed-infested soil won't thrive. Certainly notice that in my own garden. The last area, harvesting. Without having willing harvesters, fruit spoils. And I noticed in the the news really um, recently, quite sadly, COVID, the lack of harvest workers, tons and tons of fruit just going to waste on the ground. When given an opportunity to share our faith in Christ, God is not pleased if we shrink back. The sharing is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. And I know I worked for Centrelink for many, many years as a psychologist and people would warn me, be careful, you know, don't share your face. It's a government department. And I would just be amazed how often God would open opportunities for me to share. And it wouldn't be on my terms. They would ask me, how did you cope with such and such? Or how would you cope with such and such? Yeah, they've opened up that thing for me to share my life. And yeah, certain things are really faith-building for us, certain testimonies. And there was one time I remember this young man, I can't remember how we started talking about God, but we did. He said, one of the things I just can't understand, and he's probably not of his own either, was Revelation. And I'd just been reading a book on Revelation and I had it in my bag there in the office. Here you are. <laughs> you know, it was so faith-building. And I was open to, to sharing about God. So just in summary, two main points today, even if you just take away these two points. Acknowledge the author of growth, God. Give him his rightful due. And secondly, acknowledge our primary purpose is to please the Father through abiding in him, being planted and being a co-worker. And today, I just want to pray for several groups of people. And we'll have a prayer team available as well who would love to pray with you. So let's pray. Lord, there may be those listening today who don't know you as creator and author of all. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a new, fresh way today so that they may be able to taste and see that the Lord is.
is good. Father, for those being prompted by the Holy Spirit to take a step of obedience, to acknowledge you as Saviour, give them courage. We know that Satan, the deceiver, will attempt to persuade those precious ones not to act. I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name and loose God's blessing into their lives. Lord Jesus, there are those who are saying, yes, I want to be a co-worker or a more effective co-worker for you. Lord, reveal the gifts and the passions that you have placed within them and the next steps on their Christian journey. And we pray that in Jesus' precious name.